Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 320 of the podcast. It's the 9th of March, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, Amy Hughes, unschooling mom of eight children, joins me to talk about her unschooling journey. Over the years, Amy's family moved from school to homeschooling to Charlotte Mason and finally to unschooling. She shares the big aha that led her to unschooling as well as how it works in her large family. We talk about Amy's advice to other large families and what has helped her most to avoid overwhelm. She also shares her daughter's experience with attending college after unschooling. Amy's joyful excitement shines through in this inspiring conversation. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now here's my conversation with Amy. Welcome. I'm Hannah Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Amy Hughes. Hi, Amy. Hi. Hi. I have followed you on Instagram for a very long time and I'm so excited to connect with you and learn more about your unschooling journey. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now? Yeah. Um, okay. So we live in California and we have eight kids. Um, <laughs> two of them are older and out of the house. Um, they bo- are both in Oregon. Um, so we have Ian, he's 26. He's graduated from college, um, I think about five years ago now. He's just living and working in Oregon and loving life. <laughs> Layla is 19 and she is in her junior year of college um, in Oregon. And she loves everything she did when she was younger, (laughs) reading, music, writing, photography. Um, Yeah. And then we have at home, Josiah, he just turned 18, like a week ago. Um, He has been recording with his band. He has a band called Happy Midnight. (laughs) They've been recording music and um, he writes some solo music. He also has been working on um, writing an animated series with a friend of his. They've been working on that for a while. (laughs) Then we have um, 14-year-old twins. So Ruth is, she just loves learning about history. She, it's her favorite thing. She's always reading history books and biographies. She spends hours reading every day and researching history from different perspectives. And um, she also is learning ukulele. Let's see her twin, Hannah, (laughs) she loves reading too, but she's more into fantasy fiction. Um, She's a writer. So she's been writing her own books for a while now. And then 
the twins and my 10 year old daughter, Pearl have recently gotten into roller skating. So they go to the skate park like every day and roller skate. Um, they watch YouTube videos on how to do roller skating tricks. <laughs> so they're getting, getting into that. And, um, let's see, try to remember my kids' names. <laughs> Pearl, the 10 year, she's 10. She, her top love is animals though, everything animals. So she just takes care of our animals and plays with our animals all day. And that is her, her big thing. She draws animal pictures and plays with animal toys. <laughs> then we have a 12 year old son whose name is Moses he um he likes playing he likes making stop motion videos and he gets very detailed and creative with them um he works on his movies he skateboards and he just started taking um zoom guitar lessons with um the singer of one of his favorite bands so it's kind of cool for him <laughs> yeah. yeah and then <clears throat> excuse me we have wilder he is our youngest he's 6 and he, um, he's one of those kids who gets into something like, and it's just like his obsession. He just, all he wants to do and he gets really good at it. Um, so he was really into WWE for a while <laughs> and he was just playing with WWE toys and watching WWE. So we signed him up for jujitsu. So he's kind of moved into jujitsu, um, and out of WWE and he really is getting really good at jujitsu. And he also, skateboards a lot, watches YouTube videos on skateboarding. And we take him to the skate park almost every day. And he loves, um, there's a bunch of older skaters there and they, because he's really good, like he'll drop in on the half pipe and the bowl and everything. And so they love helping him out. And he thrives off of having these older kids, um, give him attention and help him. So, <laughs> and yeah, that's, I think that's everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? Well, I, um, I am a writer and a speaker and I do parent coaching. And so I, I'm just really busy. I love writing. And even when I'm not writing for work, I'm writing because it's like, it's just what I do. And, and I read, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So reading and writing and yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was so fun to listen to Amy. Just like the wide range of like different interests and can just, you know, hear through the way you describe it, you know, with a big smile and excitement, like how they're just diving in and having fun. Yeah. Whatever it is that's catching their attention and can even just hear your support through, through it. Right. Like in that. Uh, He's here. He loved WWE now. So jujitsu, <laughs> the skateboard park. So I know. as it weaves together and flows all over the place like that, I find that to be such a fun, a fun aspect of unschooling is getting to yeah. dive into all these things that I probably wouldn't have personally, but to see it through their eyes and their excitement and to see their joy as they're pursuing it. It's yeah. just so much fun for us too, isn't it? He's so funny because he'll be like, because he moves from things so quickly, but he gets really into them. So he kind of, he'll go full circle, you know, and he comes back. And so he'll, he'll walk into the room one day and he'll be like, I'm going to go practice parkour now. Cause I'm back into parkour again. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's pretty funny. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, 
I would be really interested in hearing a little bit more about your journey. I know you uh, mentioned before we connected on the call that you started with regular style homeschooling and then eventually moved to unschooling. So I'd love to hear what that kind of move and transition looked like for you. Okay. Um, so we started homeschooling over 15 years ago. Um, at that time, we had a son who was going into the sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And then we had a four-year-old daughter a three-year-old son, and I was pregnant with the twins. So I never wanted to homeschool. Like I thought homeschoolers were weird and I was a million percent against it. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my pastor's wife at the time made the mistake of telling me that my daughter was going to be starting kindergarten in the fall. <laughs> and I looked at this little baby girl and I was like, no, she's not leaving me yet. Like she's too little. I'm not ready. So we decided to homeschool her. And so it just made sense to pull our son out of school and homeschool him too. But our first year of homeschooling was pretty lame. <laughs> I didn't know anything about homeschooling at all. So I Googled like homeschool curriculum and I literally bought the first thing that mm -hmm. popped up. And um, it was this distance learning program. They sent you materials and then you sent them back the work and the tests and they graded it and sent report cards. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I had basically pulled our son out of school and just took the fun part, which were his friends away, but was giving him literally the exact <laughs> thing that he had been doing. So he hated it. He was yeah. so miserable. My daughter was fine because, you know, I was just teaching her to read. We were playing books or reading books and playing games and, uh, going on adventures. So she was little and I was just like, all she needs to do is learn how to read. So it's okay. You know, it'll be really easy and simple. And she did, she picked up reading super fast. And then my three-year-old son saw her reading and he was like, I want to do that. So I started teaching him to read and he picked up reading. So I like had a four-year-old and a three-year-old who were reading. And I was like, I'm really good. At <laughs> like I'm great. But then our 11 year old was like miserable and crying every day. And he was just like in misery. So it was pretty, you know, but then I gave birth to twins. <laughs> so in the middle of this, all of this, I'm like, okay, something has to change. Like I need to figure out a way for my oldest to be happy and for me to be happy with what he's doing. So I started reading books and that's when I discovered Charlotte Mason. Mm -hmm. And I really fell in love because the Charlotte Mason, like the philosophy itself is kind of what I would love. You know, I would love lots of books and music and nature and art. And I was like, well, this is, this is perfect. I love this. Like, this is what I want to do. So, um, you know, it just felt really old fashioned and peaceful and simple. And I'm like, oh, um. <laughs> so like we started following Charlotte Mason philosophy and my kids flourished and I was really content. Um, we did this for about five years. So we, we were, we were full on Charlotte Mason for a while until my, the oldest who, who did really well with it, but he, it was his last year of school. He was graduating. He had already been accepted to college. And I, you know, I felt content with everything, but, um, my daughter who was not, she was 10 at the time, she sat down to read a book and one of her scheduled books. And I just heard her give the biggest sigh like I've ever heard. And she, and she's a lover of books. Like she, she will like dust them off, take great care of them. But she took this book and she chucked it against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, why, why can't I just read? <laughs> and, 
you know, okay, because in the Charlotte Mason philosophy, you read like a chapter of a book a week. Like you'll, so sometimes you'll have a novel or a history book and you will literally take anywhere from 12 weeks to a year. Sometimes they schedule them for two years to read one book. And like, I'm a reader. I love reading. And I cannot imagine having to read a book like that. Like I would hate it. I would, (laughs) I would literally get nothing out of it. You know, (laughs) I would, it's, it's horrible. So like, I knew the Charlotte Mason philosophy reason for reading slowly like that. So I was opening my mouth to give her that answer, this rote response. But then I shut my mouth (laughs) because I couldn't say it because I knew it wasn't true. Like it was just really arbitrary. You know, it was so arbitrary and I'm really big on authenticity. Like if I realize that something is arbitrary, like that it's lacking genuineness, it's over. Like I cannot do it anymore. I'm just like, nope, I'm done because I can't, I can't, I can't confidently like promote it, you know? So in that moment, I realized I could not make my kids do that anymore <laughs> unless they wanted to. I was like, I, I cannot torture my kids with books that they would actually really love to read on their own anyway. <laughs> you know? So that was really the tip of the iceberg for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of like started breaking down everything, like noticing all these things that were arbitrary about what we were doing and that there was no good reason for them. And I just kept like stripping things away and (laughs) stripping them away until it was pretty bare. I guess you could call that my de-schooling period. (laughs) That arbitrariness, that was a huge piece for me, de-schooling when I came, you know, um, when the kids came home from school. Um, And it was fascinating and scary and amazing to discover how many things we were just automatically doing that really were arbitrary just because or well we should or that's what you know everybody does like wow I discovered so much choice when I started looking through that lens of arbitrariness right Absolutely. I know. And I just kept doing that until I'm like, okay, we're unschoolers. (laughs) There's nothing left. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So how did that, how did that kind of play? Was that kind of a quick thing as you peeled that back? Did you just kind of stop asking them to, you know, read the chapter for today or whatever? I did. I just kind of said, look, here, those are some great books. Feel free to read them if you want, but read them at your own pace. You know, if you, if you're loving any of those books, go ahead and just finish them. And if you're hating any of them, just be done. You know, it's okay. Like, you'll be okay if you don't read that one book. (laughs) So it was just, um, yeah, at first it was just me telling them you can read what you want to, if you want to, but you don't have to and progressed from there. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find there was just like, they seemed to have so many diverse interests. So it was, it just kind of, you found more time opening up to dive deeper into those things. Yeah. I mean, my kids, So books were always a really big part of our life. And so um, all of those kids who were there around that time, like they just kept reading, you know, but, but that they just did it naturally. And, um, and they, you know, and then they started 
well, if I don't have to follow the schedule, I mean, you know, I was reading this morning, but now is it okay if I like go outside and build a fire? I'm like, sure, you know, <laughs> or can I just, you know, watch this show for a little bit? And I'm like, yeah. So it was just slowly like that mm. gradually just they'd ask and I would just say yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that is, can be a much more helpful transition, like to, when we do our de-schooling and get to a place where we're more comfortable saying yes, or even we realize that's something that we want to do more instead of the arbitrary no's, mm-hmm. rather than like announcing, hey guys, from now on you can do anything, because that can be very chaotic and can can feel like ungrounding for them because they don't really know. Right. And we haven't really especially if we do it before we've done that de-schooling work of our own to really understand why this um, saying yes and supporting them more directly and the things that they want to do in the moment, like what the value of that is and why that's so helpful um, for their learning, for our relationships, for all those pieces, you know, we can kind of undermine ourselves if we kind of jump too far ahead and just say, yeah, do whatever you want. But for them saying, hey, well, Look, she's she opened up the reading <laughs> thing. What if I, you know, oh, I would actually like to be doing this. And then yeah. say, sure. And then when they ask, sure. Like it's so instead of like opening up the world that can be overwhelming mm-hmm. when they discover what they'd really like to be doing, us saying yes to that. I mean, that to me, that feels like a more peaceful yet more and more engaged yeah absolutely right because we're actually connecting over the things that they're wanting to do rather than just running wild for lack of a better phrase right yeah absolutely (laughs) all right so you have talked about eight children and (laughs) which is amazing I am very excited to hear hear this piece because um I notice through different kind of age ranges, I kind of think of them as different seasons of unschooling. But with your range of kids, I feel like you're kind of doing the different seasons of unschooling all at once, right? (laughs) So I was curious to hear from your perspective what how unschooling looks different for you, say between your younger toddler, six-year-old, your kids, and your teens. Like it. Does do you see a difference in how um, you relate to each? Okay, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. When my kids are younger, I I I strew a lot. I use the concept of strewing a lot. Like, I'll find shoy, sh- shoys, I'll find shoys, I'll find shows and toys and um, activities and books that I think they'll enjoy. I introduce them to a ton of stuff. Like, we'll go on lots of hikes and adventures. Spend lots of time at the beach. I read to them a ton. I love introducing them to all kinds of books and authors. Like, like I'll read them everything from Charles Dickens to the Hunger Games. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I play music all the time. I introduce them to different musicians, different types of music, um, and I mean all types. Like my kids know everything from Beethoven to the Sex Pistols to like our <laughs> favorite Christian worship music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, like our, we, you know, we have family songs. Like um, one of our family songs is American Music by the Violent Femmes. And then, unless it's the Christmas season, and then it's Ariana Grande's version of Last Christmas. 
So <laughs> we will drive through downtown in our big white van with the windows open and we'll all sing it. It's, yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. So like unschooling for my littles and my middle kids is a lot of just connection and introductions, you know, and then these experiences, um, they just build passions in them and different interests in them so that they kind of go on their own path with these things. Um, like many of my kids have wanted to learn instruments just in part because they've had a really strong foundation of music. Um, you know, we've had a lot of kids diving into writing, a lot of writers of books and songs and films and um, video games um, because, you know, words and stories have always been a part of their life. Um, you know, from different, like reading aloud to them, even while they were nursing, I would read aloud to my, <laughs> to my little kids, um, to reading like before bed and random times in the day. And like, I will pull out books throughout the day and I invite my children to come listen. Um, but for me, the, the key is inviting because if they don't want to come listen, like I'm okay with that, you know? Um, and most of the time they do just because it's been a regular part of their lives and they value that experience and that time. But if they're in the middle of something else or doing something else, they're like, no, nah, I don't want to listen right now. And that's fine. You know, but so I am, I'm just constantly trying to introduce them to things and, um, give them, give them different things that, you know, could speak to them or not. Um, they have lots and lots of times just to, time just to play and explore, um, and then we do lots of things together at home and in the world. And so that's kind of their foundation. Um, and then as they get older, they typically just start gaining focus on the things that they are passionate about. Um, you know, I've had kids who have wanted to go to college, so they've directed their education in a way that prepared them for that. Um, and like my twins right now, they're very serious about their education. They really want to know everything. So they actually have created their own daily schedule. They get themselves up. Um, they make their own checklists of what they want to do uh, during the day. They schedule things that they want to like that they want to learn. And they get up and they just do it. And it's like 100% their own thing. But because it's their own thing, they also know that they don't need to do it. So some days they get up and they're just like, I'm just going to watch Gilmore Girls or Parks and Rec all day. Or, you know, they just want to go call up a friend and hang out with them. You know, so it's it's fully their thing. It's totally self-directed. And I'm just there, you know, to support them and get them what they need and talk with them and, you know, whatever. Um, but like my 18-year-old, he wasn't that, he, you know, the education was not his like forte. It's not what he cared that much about. He was always making music. He was, um, or he is always making music, writing films. Um, he's really just project-based. He has a lot of projects going on at one time. So it's just fully different, um, you know, just what they want for their future and what they care about right now. I love the way when they have that space, right? To discover how, how their brain works and how they'd like to work, you know, whether they outline it uh, a day or a week or, you know, like long-term goals that they want to um, slowly walk towards by creating like schedules that will eventually get them there. Or like you said, project oriented, yeah. and they like to dive into that and then dive into this. And even your youngest, like from, and you can see threads, et cetera, between connections between the different things as they transition, but it is 
it is so beautiful for them to have that time to figure themselves out yeah. and have that space, right? Without having not only like other people telling them what to do, but also the timetable in mm-hmm. which to do because we are so different, right? Yeah. As individuals and and just the space to say not today too, right? Absolutely. Like just imagine going out into the world as an adult knowing that it's okay to give yourself that space instead of knocking yourself down and guilting your, like, I think some of us who, who grew up with that school mentality and brought that forward, like, we feel bad if we try to, if we yeah. take a day off or right. <laughs> even intellectually when it makes so much sense and how even through experience that, you know, rest, even though I can't quantify it and I can't check it off the productive box, it it feels good it refreshes me and I'm just a better person moving into you know the next day and in that moment and and do you even need to judge that like it's just so beautiful <laughs> to see them in action isn't it like, it is it really is our guides I think yeah. because you can see how the choices that they make in the moment and and how free they often feel to make those choices yeah. how confident they are and it's beautiful to see it action isn't it <laughs> speaking of I would love to hear what your favorite piece of advice or experience to share is about unschooling in large families I imagine you might get that question once in a while (laughs) (laughs) so I'd love to hear what's one of your favorite insights or something to share okay um so most of the large families that I know run smoothly because they have like really set standards. So like, this is our schedule. We wake up at this time. We do this morning meeting. We have chores at this time, math at this time, dinner at this time, bed at this time. You know, I've met so many moms of big families who tell me that their schedule and their strictness is what really keeps their family functioning and together and that um, they wouldn't be able to do, (laughs) do it without it. And so I think what happens is that a lot of people in thinking about unschooling, they get caught up in like the individuality of it all. And they think that like in a large family, that means that everybody's going to be sitting on their own. And they imagine like all 10 children or whatever, sitting by themselves on their own little screens, like ignoring each other, you know, whatever. And, and they can't see how things will run smoothly if everyone's just doing their own thing all the time and then, and no one's together. Um, so I feel like or they feel like there wouldn't won't be any like structure or rhythm and that everything is going to be mass chaos. <laughs> and I understand those feelings because I have my moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> it's so overwhelming right now. Um, but a lot of like big families, um, the moms have trouble connecting like the dots of unschooling all those children. And I think that this misconception and this, this false idea is, um, the, the idea that they need to order everything in a big family, it scares a lot of large families off from unschooling. So the thing is that things don't really need to be forced or strict in order to be smooth. Um, as long as the mom herself has like some sort of rhythm for herself and is regularly inviting her children to join her. And as long as she like has peace about the fact that each child will do things in their own time, 
um, things will be smooth. Like for the most part, <laughs> I always, I, I always uh, like to call unschooling um, with a lot of kids. I call it like building a nest. Cause like, you know, a mama bird will hatch multiple eggs at once and maintain this nest for them to grow. Um, they grow together at their own pace. When each one is ready, they learn to fly. So we kind of do the same thing. We build a nest for our children, which is really just creating an environment of love and acceptance of comfort and support. You know, it's a place where our kids can learn and they can grow at their own pace. So we provide them with the tools that they need. We introduce them to things that we believe will help them along their path, you know, and things that they will either grab hold of or let go of. We invite them like we invite them to do the things that we do, um, whether that be cooking dinner, reading a book, going on an adventure, cleaning the bathroom. And we find peace when they turn us down, <laughs> but often they don't turn you down. And that's the thing is um, like, I think as a mom of a lot of kids, for me, at least things only stop running smoothly and only become chaotic and overwhelm me when I stop inviting my kids, when I get in the mentality, oh, my kids are busy. So I'll just do everything myself mm -hmm. um, and I will stop inviting them. That's when things, you know, that's when I get overwhelmed and things get crazy because I'm not, I'm not opening space for my children to join me if they want to join me and help me out. Um, so I would say to moms of large families, like you can unschool. It's just build a nest and invite your children. That that's, that's the key for me. Oh, that is so beautiful, Amy. I love that image. It, it really it really connects with me. I'm sure it will be helpful for people. But and I love the way you said also like your um, as part of the nest, you've got your your flow and your routine, and that is grounding and and keeps the nest inviting. Exactly. Which also ties so beautifully with remembering to invite them yeah. to do it because that is something I found. I mean, I with three kids, but I found when when I started to feel overwhelmed and my first reaction to was like, okay, I need to organize this more. I need to schedule. And then you just naturally, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And yes, I found like, sure. I could make myself a beautiful schedule, <laughs> but like within two days, it didn't feel good because I realized because I was more and more disconnected from the yeah. kids, right? If I was trying so hard to follow my schedule, if somebody came to me with something, it would be like ah, in an hour or, or you know what I mean? Rather than that open and inviting ability to, to really prioritize that connection with them and that flow and to invite them to me as well, right? Yeah. And yeah, it really becomes less about following a schedule and more about following flow was a way that I imagined it, but that yeah, like building a nest is such yeah. a beautiful image, right? That of love and comfort and connection and invitation and the piece for us to work through too, as we're de-schooling is that a no is, is perfectly fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> that can be a hard one. I think at first. it can be, it can be. <laughs> True. I know, you know, when I, when we first started unschooling um, and I was in that really de-schooling myself time and I started, you know, telling my kids I didn't have to read everything and this or that, 
I, I told them, um, that they could, if I said no to them, that they, as long as they were like kind about it, they could ask me why, because, um, it was helpful for, for me to really break down my ideas and, you know, find out if what I was saying had value to it. If I was saying no, just because I felt like I should say no, or if, because I really should be saying no here. Um, so I let my kids start, you know, well, why can't I do that? And then I would be able to work it through my head. <laughs> is this a good idea or is this not a good idea? Instead of just jumping to, you know, some rote answers for them. So. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't that help them as well so much to, to yes. just see the bigger picture, the context of the moment, maybe, maybe the why is I'm really tired right now. Yeah. Or I've got something else on my plate that is a priority right now. You know, there are real, there are real reasons. There are always real reasons for whatever our answer is. And to take that next step to share that also helps us feel good. It it helped me feel good anyway, because it took away the arbitrariness. Yeah, It's like, oh yeah, there is a reason why, Mm -hmm. right? And sharing that also helped them better understand me. It helped them better under, maybe notice some context of the moment that they hadn't seen that they could like pick up for next time. You know, there's just so much value and we have the time and the space to have those conversations. They don't have to be 20 minute long things, you know, 30 seconds where they say, why can't I? And you say, oh, well, this isn't, and they go, oh, okay. Or they say, well, that doesn't make sense. And maybe the conversation goes longer, but there's so much learning in that space, isn't there? Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Now, one of the more common questions that comes up as people explore unschooling is definitely what about college? And you have mentioned you have a couple of your older kids who have chosen uh, to go that route. So I would love to hear your experience with them choosing to go to college and how that's working out. So um, my oldest two both went to college, although the oldest child was not unschooled. He was fully Charlotte Mason homeschooled. so that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> but my second child was the one she was unschooled, unschooled from age 10. She's the one who threw the book against the wall and started the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third child just turned 18 and he's not really interested in going to college at this point. So he's working full time right now, making music, writing music. He's, you know, got things going good for him. Um, and then the the next in line are 14-year-old twins. They don't seem to want to go to college right now, um, but, you know, only time will tell. So <laughs> at this point, I have one unschooled to college child. Um, so she decided around the age of 14 that she definitely wanted to go. So from that point on, she planned her education to make sure that she could. She would work on math every day on Khan Academy, take she took college courses on Coursera. Um, she read so much. Uh, I could not keep her stocked up on books. <laughs> it was that was hard. <laughs> she was the most voracious reader. Um, you know, it's funny actually because I was in this unschooling group at the time where you know, par- you know, parents were always asking like, um, you know. But all my child wants to do is play video games and watch TV. Like, isn't that unhealthy? And I was like, or, and then, and then, you know, the moms would respond like, well, you know, th- why don't you ask the question, 
you know, rephrase it. My kid only wants to read books all day. Is that unhealthy? Like, you know, you have a different, you know, but I'd be like, um, my kid only wants to read books all day. I feel like this is unhealthy because that was my experience. So, I mean, yeah, it feels unhealthy. But, I did. I literally went into an unschooling group and was like, help. All she wants to do is read. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, she 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 wrote novels, um, she wrote music. She's actually a really brilliant songwriter. She actually played one of her songs um that she wrote at a wild and free conference in Portland um back in 2018. She used to play, she used to play music at the local wineries every weekend. Um and to be honest, this has actually been one of the hardest parts of unschooling for me is letting go when your child decides that something isn't for them because mm -hmm. that's what she did. She's a brilliant musician, but she didn't want to do it. Um, she's very talented in singing, playing music, writing songs. And she decided, I don't love it. I don't want to do it anymore. I just, she just decided she want to go to college, but she could have done both, but she didn't, you know, she didn't want to do the music. Um, and I desperately wanted to be like, no, no, you're really good at this. You, you have to follow this path. Like, I, I mean, you, you don't understand how good you are. Um, but I knew that wasn't right. So, you know, we encouraged her a little bit and gave her a little advice, but she was very firm and, you know, maybe one day she'll pick it up again. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know for now, she's decided to stop making music. So Watching that that passion and talent go has been that's been the hardest part of unschooling for me. But um, she decided going to college. So, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. What is? It's hard, and it is so fascinating to peel back our layers around why it's hard. Because, like, like yeah. you said, intellectually, it's like, yeah, it's not. They're just not driven to that they're just not interested in that anymore but you know we saw this future of so many awesome things and yeah. you snuck something in there too you just don't know how good you are I, that's another really interesting piece that I have said <laughs> <laughs> and like experienced in and come to the realization that it's very interesting, you know, a very small sample size with unschooling kids and for me anyway, but <clears throat> it's not about comparing themselves against other people. It's not right. about the talent. Like I'm really good at this. Therefore I have an obligation to do the thing. Right. It's actually has nothing to do with how good they are in comparison with other people, exactly. it's what it feels like for them, how interested they are, what their vision is for themselves. Yeah. So, yes, it is. You know, you understand that. Yeah, no, I don't want to interfere, but it is so hard to release that. <laughs> and I look at like, un, you know, unschooler like Billie Eilish. I'm like, you could have been Billie Eilish. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> she went to college and it's been beautiful. You know, she <laughs> she I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when she was. uh 15 she came to us and told us she wanted to go to college a year early mm -hmm. um but she didn't want to wait until the other kids her age were graduated and going so she wanted to be in college when she was 17. um so she didn't want to go to college locally she wanted to go out of state 
So we weren't fully prepared. Like we, we weren't committed to letting her do that. We just didn't know, you know, it was, it was hard. Um, and we still kind of hoped she'd drift towards music, <laughs> but we did tell her, well, why don't you, you know, the year to apply would be, um, you know, when she turned, when she was 16, I said, okay, so why, why don't you apply and we'll just see what happens. Um, so when she turned 16, she turned 16 in July and then early admissions for the colleges she wanted to go to opened in September, I think. So she applied to a few colleges then. And then right before Christmas, she got um, accepted to her first choice college um, with a $100,000 scholarship. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were kind of like, we, you know, we hadn't committed yet, but my husband and I looked at each other and just laughed because, yeah, how can you say no to that? You know, <laughs> she may never have that op opportunity again. So we're like, okay. So a month after she turned 17, my husband drove her to Oregon and moved her into the dorms. And she's now in her third year, her junior year. So, and she's not even 20 yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been. Yeah, it's been it's been an experience, but she's she's happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love the the way you described it for me. It, that's the, the same kind of thing. It's like baby steps. It's like not saying no now to something that looks really out there. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, you know, my 17-year-old at college out right. of state. That sounds really uncomfortable. But you know what? The next baby step doesn't mean that we're going there. So sure. Okay. Right. And we'll see what happens. Like, because well, you always <laughs> your mind along the way, like every step gives you more information, right? Yeah. More information like scholarship and yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Might not have said yes, but you got that scholarship. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she's enjoying it there. She is. Yeah, she is. And how did she find the transition? Um, you know, she she did great. She loved living in the dorm. She loved her classes. The hardest part, actually, um, was being 17 because her first year of college, they have all these like freshman activities, but you had to be 18. So she couldn't do them. <laughs> So that was the hardest part. She was actually left out of quite a bit in her freshman year because of her age. So, wow. yeah, but she's of age now and she's up there and she's working and she's doing school and she's doing great. So, oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I am curious to hear, we've talked about what was kind of the hardest part of your yeah. I would love to hear what has surprised you most about how unschooling has unfolded for your family up to this point anyway. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I've actually been surprised by the deeper learning and the deeper connections that have come from unschooling because, you know, you think, you know, there might be some deep learning here and there or whatever, um, but it's really been a, I feel our, our like our home and our just our like educational life or whatever um has been way stronger um it just because it's more authentic so like there's more of a there's a more powerful meaning to everything that we do like for example like when we use the charlotte mason method 
my kids would have to narrate their readings, right? So they'd read something and then they'd come and they would tell me about it. It was just a, essentially a spoken summary, right? Really wrote and more than half the time they'd be like mumbling, they'd be annoyed. They would just like rush through to get through it <laughs> and move on. But it really changed with unschooling. Um, you know, we started really having just spontaneous, meaningful discussions, <laughs> you know? So like a while back, one of my daughters read um, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And when she finished the book, she went to her room and she closed the door and she put a sign on the door and it said, processing, keep out. <laughs> and then she was in there for about an hour and then she came out and she said, I have to talk about it, you know? And so she did. She just told me the entire story, even though I'd read it before. And she, you know, she prepared me for hard parts. Like, this is really difficult. Just listen to this, you know, and told me all her thoughts. And she was really animated, just like hand motions. And like, you could see the passion in what she was saying, telling me this entire story. And like, when she finished talking, I literally had tears in my eyes. I was like, and it wasn't just about the book. It was about everything because you know, I was thinking back to when we used Charlotte Mason and I'm like the difference, you know, I'm like that, what I just saw that's narrating, <laughs> that is a beautiful, raw, like spontaneous narration. And it was something that she just had to tell me and talk to me about, you know? And so I think that removing the forced in our family and just allowing for the natural organic authentic. Um, it's just really created a deeper and more meaningful uh, education, relationships, life. <laughs> that is a beautiful example, Amy, because it, it really shows the difference between something that, you know, we're told to do versus something we choose to do. And just the stark difference between getting through something because you have to and the enthusiasm that comes with, like you said, it being authentic, something that they chose that they were interested in and just the enthusiasm to share it with someone else. Like, I think that is something that, that was totally like foreign to me before we moved to unschooling, right? Because we were all just doing kind of what was expected of us. And we weren't, we only did what we were asked. Right. Right. Everything else was just kind of private because there wasn't a lot of time for anything right. beyond what we're asked and expected to do. Yeah, exactly. Where is every time, <laughs> you know, so the space and, and just that openness that um, an unschooling environment, a nest, you know, that nest that you were talking about invites that connection and gives them the space to share their enthusiasm. I think, you know, her enthusiasm sharing the story, thinking about your son's enthusiasm um, at the skate park for mm -hmm. the older kids, like sharing what they know, yeah. right? It's, it, it just feels so open. Open and curious is kind of one of my favorite phrases just because yeah. when we live that our days open and curious and just inviting ourselves to see what's about inviting ourselves to be open to the connection when it presents itself open to like inviting people to join us 
it's it just creates such a different atmosphere that you I couldn't have imagined beforehand, right? When I first did it, it was all right, this this is what we're gonna do instead of school. Right. Right. You know, and you found Charlotte Mason and that was very comfortable. And you know, the kids were enjoying it up to a point, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the that you can't imagine really the difference until you open up, realize whatever our window is in that little thread in for you, it was that arbitrariness of of what was being expected. You know, whatever the opening is, that kind of gets us to, I'm curious to see what it might be like. It's, it is just amazing, isn't it? How different it is. It's unexpected, but beautiful. So I guess the question was, what surprised you most? So that's beautiful. That is true. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, I loved your answer. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Amy, for taking the time to speak to me. It has been so much fun. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, wonderful. And before we go, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, I am at um, on Instagram, um, Simple Little Amy, and then I also run the Unschoolers account. Um, those are my main places. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. And I will put links to that in the show notes for people. And thank you very much again. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Pam. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.